What have you been watching? So many things. It's the time of year when so many cool things come out. Yeah. We have watched a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. We watched the Jackass documentary. I don't think we mentioned that last time. We both watched that. Yeah. The Jackass Forever or whatever mm-hmm. documentary. It's on Netflix. Um, boys and I started watching the new Obi-Wan series on Disney+. Plus. I think three episodes are out. We watched the first two. That's pretty good. Stranger Things. We've watched the first two episodes. Uh, that's as far as we've gotten. I watched the Norm Macdonald Nothing Special special on Netflix. It was his last recorded stand-up pretty much before he died, mm-hmm. which he like kept it a big secret that he was sick. And then at the end, he had recorded himself just talking like, like we are, like a, into a microphone at home in 2020 in one take. And it's the last thing that he recorded. And they showed it at his memorial. After the memorial, they showed it to Adam Sandler, Conan O'Brien, Molly Shannon, Dave Chappelle, David Letterman, and um, David Spade. They were the only six that got to see it. So they watched it. And then after that, they recorded their thoughts on it. So that was kind of nice. I thought the stand-up stuff was, it was obviously, he hadn't taken it out of the road. So it was really rough. And it was just, I don't it was all right. It was kind of boring in places. But the ending was really sweet. Um, What else did I watch? Oh, my new obsession is Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. I watched the U.S. season. I've watched a couple episodes of the U.K. version. U.S., if it was exploitive, exploitive, it might be. I don't know. I thought it was kind of sweet at first, but then I'm like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it either. I think it's eye-opening for people who don't know autism and all mm-hmm. the different layers of the spectrum. Because there's people on there that you would be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that person. And then you're like, oh, okay, there it is. Um, not that like anything's wrong with having autism. Their way their brain processes things differently. Right. I think it's just really sweet that there's these people that they just so desperately want to be loved. They want that. They want that affection. They want to have a relationship. And I think it's nice to give them those opportunities. I don't know if we need to have a camera crew watching it all. Right. There's some spots like, okay, there's a couple spots that I laughed out loud and that's what made me want to watch it more is like, uh, this girl's so sweet and the, but her very first date, she told the guy she was in love with him and he immediately said, I need a break and walked <laughs> off the set. But he came back and it was wonderful. Sorry to spoil it, but <laughs> it's my background show at the moment. Uh, that's probably it that I need to mention. The rest is kind of dumb. Oh, Floor is Lava. They came out oh, with yeah, a new yeah. season. Kids and I just watched the first episode of that. Yeah, we today. did too. So. Same. We just watched it today. Well, it just came out today, so of course we watched it today. Yeah, and they changed the they changed the game, and I kind of like it. I do I, too. It's more fun, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. it's cool too. Yeah, it's like two rounds now, so all three teams compete, and then the two teams that did the best do like a final thing, which is kind of cool. Well, I think it's really shitty is that the first team goes through, and it's fine. But after they go through, they can watch the next two teams that go through. And they're like right there be like, oh, that's dead. Yeah, dead. and the heckle them dead. and stuff. So- I, like, I was like, that's so mean. I want to go first when nobody's in there. <laughs> yeah, we, well, my daughter and I have watched the first three episodes of Stranger Things. We might watch another one later. I got the whole night to myself. It's pretty awesome. Um, nice. I think that's it. So we watched a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And something else that we also both watch is Pieces of Her, Episode 6. Hello, everyone. Welcome to <laughs> that So Original Podcast. I'm Kelly, and I'm here with a reluctant Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. Hey, this show's stupid. We have to do this. We do have to talk about 
this show. I mean, we don't have to, but we're gonna. I will gladly talk about it if it (laughs) means I don't have to watch it anymore (laughs) because it's just so dumb. It is so dumb. This may be the dumbest episode yet. And I'm going to let you start us off. It's your turn, but I'm just going to graciously let you start us off anyway. Thank you. I Mm -hmm. appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have Jane, who's now wearing only an ace bandage on her hand that she slammed in a car door at the end of the last episode. So she either heals quickly or there's a time jump. Not incredibly clear. So she is in her father's office and she's opening his briefcase and she's starting to go through his files. And she sees this memorandum of advice for Queller Corp. In the liability suit for the death of Mr. Juno. I only know this because I paused it. Because there was a lot of words. Yes, it was. Pretty much what it came down to is that Queller Corp was fully aware of the fact that this... What's what's that called? What's that? Haldol. Haldol caused hallucinations or had a side effect. Or a side effect of the drug. Side effect is what I just said. <laughs> side effect. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to start using that in my daily vernacular. <laughs> Just slip it in and see if anybody even notices that you said uh, side effect instead of side effect. I don't think they would because I use that word so much <laughs> that no one's going to notice. Um, hello, potential employers who may be listening to this. <laughs> Buckle in. Um, so anyways, this Quell Corp, they knew that Haldol is bad. Okay. Kay. Anywho. Jasper comes in while she's rifling through these files and asks what she's doing. And she says, straightening these files that were neatly in that case that I just (laughs) broke into. Um, duh. He asks her if she's dad's secretary now. And she asks him if he's scared she's taking his place. And I was like, ooh, sick of burn. And then he comes back with, well, I know you're still seeing Nick. And Jane says, that's been over since the summer. And I was like, okay, well... Okay, I don't know. Time. When, exactly. So, when is it now? We don't know. Was that a long like time Christmas ago? Was time. it yesterday? We, we have a couple things about Christmas time here. Okay, okay. So um, Jasper says, give me some credit. I'm not the moron you and Andrew think I am. I know stuff, like important stuff. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's important. <laughs> so this is when their dad walks in and tells Jasper that he told the board that Jasper's going to be running the, the Christmas party because Jane and dad are going to be in Oslo. And then he tells Jasper to leave so that he can talk to Jane alone. And then he looks at Jane and he's like, cocktail hour. And I was like, what is happening? And then he offers to pour Jane a drink since she's not been feeling well. She's been nauseous. And I was like, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm. And then this is where it goes all 18 levels of creepy. Dad says, you're very precious to me. I want you safe and sound. And then you see him breaking open a pill and pouring it in her drink. He asks her about her hand, and she says it's better. She's just so clumsy. And I was like, I just fell into that door, and it slammed on my hand. <laughs> and then he asks her if Nick gave her the idea to ruin her career. And then he says, Nick isn't going to do any more damage to you or anyone. He can't have you or any part of you. You belong with me. You It'll be good to get away. It's creepy. He's like, well, it's be good to get away. We can start over. And they cheers to Oslo, and then Jane gets dizzy, and we hear Dad in the voiceover going, "I always win, Jane. You know that." And I was like, "What is the? What is? What is okay, happening?" Yeah. Can we can we cut for a second and theorize about what he put in her drink? I have two theories. Number one, I think that he knows that she's pregnant, and he put something in the drink to like induce a miscarriage. Because he oh, is a pharmaceutical sure. guy. Number two, my theory is that he's drugging her because he's a creepo and he's going to do creepy things to her while she's passed out. What do you think? 
I just assumed I went with the simplest theory. This is like right. a roofie yeah, and yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just a big old dumb creep. Mm-hmm. So, because I honestly believe that Andy is either dad's baby or Jasper's baby. There's something creeper in there. Ugh. Ugh. Because she made a point of saying to Charlie when she was coming into witness protection, my family has never taken care of me mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. Gross. Gross. Very. Okay. I had another story about a hand getting stuck in a car. Do you want me to tell that story? <gasps> We can always no, it. I want to tell it because I have a similar one. Okay. Well, this happened my junior year of college. So the school where we went, it like snowed and iced a lot. It was up in the mountains. So we were going to go somewhere. I don't even remember where we were going. Me and my three other roommates. And we were going to take my friend's car, one of my roommate's car. She had gotten into the car. It was like ice. The whole thing was iced. And we were like banging the door. We got in there. We turned the car on to get it started to heat up and to defrost the windows and then for some reason maybe we accidentally pressed it or we're trying to get into it we tried to pop the trunk and it popped like a little bit but it wouldn't go all the way up because of the ice so my friend whose car this is puts her two hands you know into the crack of the trunk and tries to lift it up but There was so much ice and it was so stuck that instead of going up, this was one of those trunks where all you have to do is just slightly close it and then it automatically closes the rest of the way. Well, it didn't go up. It automatically closed on all of her four fingers. And so she is screaming bloody murder and we are completely panicked. The smart thing to do would have been to just take the key out of the ignition and put it in the trunk and open it that way, or at least try to open it that way. But she's screaming at us to tell us where the trunk pop thing is because none of us know her car. And she's like, it's it's next to the thing the thing and she's screaming that it's next to the thing and we're all like what fucking thing is she talking about there's a thousand things in the car looking all over the dash everywhere finally one of my other roommates finds it and pops it and gets her fingers out she was talking about the gear shift and mm. she had indentations across her four fingers that was there for days that car attacked her <laughs> Shout out to Sharisa if you're listening. I love you. Okay. Oh, poor thing. I think I was a freshman in high school and I went with my mom. We had to pick up my grandma to take her for cataract surgery. And we were at my grandma's house. We drove an hour and a half to her house, got there, and we went to go get inside. And I don't know what I did. I opened the bat, like the sliding, where's our old minivan, sliding back door. And so I was at the passenger door. And I had my hand in the door frame, and I slammed that passenger door shut with my hand in it, and it locked. And I was screaming, and my mom had to come and unlock the car door and get my hand out. And I just looked at her, and I said, I'm going down, and passed out, (laughs) because it was my first time ever passing out. I've done it a lot since then. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I remember my mom yelling at me, going, no, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) But so then we had to had to drive my grandma to her cataract appointment, which was thankfully at the hospital where my mom had to take me to the ER to see if my hand was broken. And then they had to pull me aside and make my mom leave the room to see if she had shut me in the door. Like she was abusing me. (laughs) So that was a good time. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Welcome to Side Stories. Um, (laughs) Tangents. (laughs) That's original podcast edition. Okay. All right. Back to the show that we're actually talking about. 
Now we are cutting to Laura, who is creepily staring out of a window at Quellcorp. A woman interrupts this weird moment and leads her upstairs to an office. There's some dude that's outside of this office, and I don't know who this is. And he says, it's, it's good to see It's the intimidating guy from the backyard. Oh, oh, shit. Intimidating guy from the backyard. Of course. Yeah. I didn't make that connection at all. But yeah, it's that guy. It took me a minute too, but then I figured out who he was. So So she walks into Jasper's office and he's like, wow, it really is you. He tells her she looks good. She's like, wish I could say the same. You look like him. And they talk about this desk that he has in the office and how it was their dad's and how Jasper was sexually attracted to it as a kid. I don't know. There was a whole thing. (laughs) She asks where Andy is and he says, oh, well, she left this morning and I haven't heard from her. She's like, well, why did she leave? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe the VHS arrangements weren't good enough for her. But actually, I was thinking (laughs) she's kind of upset about how little you've told her. She didn't even know you played the piano. And she's like, yeah, because a little thing called witness protection, you dumbass. He wants to know, well, what kind of deal did you make? And she makes a dig at how much he cares about what people think and lets him know that she could ruin his political career with one phone call. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't try that if I were you because I'm big, bad, scary Jasper. Anyway, back to why I'm here, Laura says. Where is Andy? He says, well, now that I'm thinking about it, she did ask about Nick last night. So maybe she's trying to find out about him. She's like, have you heard from him? And he says, no. She says, well, he saw me on the news. Like, how does she know that, that he saw her on the news? He's back. So you can see why I'm concerned about Andrea. And he tells her that he has a bomb-ass security team, no worries. And she just chuckles at him and walks out. Because he changed the family name. The sins of the father were washed clean by the son. She's like, yeah, that's a good story. And walks out. <laughs> but I thought it was funny. He offered a security team. And I was like, yeah, they haven't fucked up any missions recently. Like no, that not one at, all. at the hotel. <laughs> like that one at the hotel room. Hmm. <laughs> so Charlie's at his house when the phone rings. And his wife, question mark, question mark. I think. Looks irritated, but he answered it, and of course he does, because it's Jane. She's like, Charlie, it's me. I need your help. And he's like, yeah, what else is freaking new? He's like, yeah, I tried to help you. She's like, well, it's Andy. She's missing. <laughs> I love that he says, well, call the FBI. Uh, what, do you, what do you want me to do? I said savage. Damn. I know. He's, and she's like, what about Marshall Michael? Would they still be in contact? He's like, I don't know. and I can't tell you. I don't work for your ass anymore. God. <laughs> And it's pretty much what he says. He's like, we're done, Jane. This is what you wanted. And she says, Andy went to Jasper. Now she's disappeared. Something's wrong. And then this is where Charlie's wife gets irritated and walks off. And Charlie just does this big, heavy sigh. And I was like, one, his wife has no idea what he said or what's going on on that phone call. So I don't, I mean, is she, I mean, I could see that, like, he feels a little too close to this one person that he's protecting. He's got to have, a like, more than one on his caseload, right? I would think. And he's going to, like, he's going to birthday parties and shit. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Keep so, going. yeah. Okay. Do you want me to do this whole yeah, dumb yeah. shit, Andy? Yep. Because that's what my notes say. <laughs> dumb shit Andy goes to Vargas's hotel room and walks right in. She digs through his duffel bag for some reason before finding keys in his jacket. And she looks under the bed and looks under the couch because she's looking for the suitcase. I don't know why she was digging in his duffel bag. Like, oh, maybe it shrunk. <laughs> Finally, she kind of moves the mattress a little bit and finds the suitcase stuck underneath it. And she's like, oh, yay, all the fighter keeper's money is still here. And then she grabs his computer. And as she opens it, tucked inside is a newspaper clipping that says, Maplecroft kidnappers demand ransom. And I was like, oh, so this is ransom money. 
So she tries to get into Vargas's laptop, but it's so weird. He's like a federal marshal and has a like a password on it. <laughs> like he doesn't even trust her or something. Because <laughs> she wants to use his Google machine, but his password isn't 1234 and she's pissed. <laughs> she hears someone outside because would you believe it? She's been followed. What? <laughs> I mean, they even, like... This is unheard what? of. Unprecedented. I know. So she runs and hides in the shower because no one ever checks there. <laughs> I would have gone in that spot under this bed where she just found the suitcase at. So the dude from the hotel that tried to kill her and a woman come in. They take the suitcase, but not before the dude looks through Vargas's clothes and says <laughs> he likes his jacket. Like, he's like, oh, he wore about the same size, sweetheart. That looks great. So they leave... They are no more have shut the door and Andy is right out the door behind them. Like, <laughs> they're not going to notice me. <laughs> and I was like, they're still going to be in the hall, you big dummy. So she goes out and she watches the elevator go to the first floor and she runs and takes the stairs because apparently she's a rabbit and goes super fast. And she be- runs down to the parking garage and sees what car they get into. She uses the key fob on Vargas's keys that she conveniently found in his pocket and runs and jumps in so she can tail them. But not before buckling her seatbelt safety first. <laughs> and so now she's following them because that doesn't sound like a stupid idea. Everything she does is a stupid idea. This whole episode's full of stupid ideas. I also said that she was pissed that they took the suitcase because she was like, damn it, no more Target runs. Ugh. For real. <sighs> no more Pringles. Who's going to no. buy my Pringles? Gosh darn it. Okay, so... Laura is visiting her parents and Andrew's giant, and I looked this up. I Googled it. Columbarium. Columbarium. Something to that effect. It is a freestanding structure in a church or cemetery with compartments where cremated remains are kept. You are welcome. Work that into a sentence during your day-to-day activities and let me know how it goes. I said it was a mausoleum and I spelled it super wrong. So good for you. (laughs) She tries to call Andy again, but gets the voicemail. She leaves her message telling her, hey, girl, guess what? I'm in San Francisco. I'm looking for you. And could you be careful? Because there are some things going on that you don't understand. And Andy, I've lost so many people. And I don't know what I do if I lost you too. Please call me if you get this. Thanks. Bye. So, I was like, what phone is she calling? I don't freaking know. I guess the burner, you know, safety phone. Which Because Michael has that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So dumb. So flashback to young Laura standing at the same structure at her father's funeral. Andrew walks up to her and she's like, you're high. And he's like, yeah, totes. And she's like, well, I guess we're orphans now. If I had any idea that Grace was going to. And Andrew interrupts her and he's like, don't do that to yourself. Nick and Jasper are talking a little bit further away from where they are. And Nick comes over to where Jane and Andrew are standing. He tells them that Jasper is worried that the army of the changing world is coming after him next. Nick points out that the FBI are there and that Maplecroft's ransom note was on the front page of the newspaper. So he's got a dip. Laura says, we don't actually need that money. And he says, it's not about the money. It's about letting them know what we stand for. Yeah. What is, which is what? What, what do we stand, what do for? stand for? I don't know. We're still working on our, on our, what's it called? Our manifesto. Just chill. Yeah. Anyway, Laura tells him that he's going to get caught and he's like, Nah, I'm just getting started. So he leaves, and there's some groovy music starts playing. That's what it's I like it. cute, funky music. <laughs> Typical, like, 70s. 
Nick puts on a Ronald Reagan mask and joins this throng of people who are protesting the administration's response to the AIDS crisis. He fits right in because dozens of people are wearing those same masks. He casually walks over to a dumpster and he finds the duffel bag of money. And he starts walking back through the crowd and he hands the bag over to Paula, who is also in this crowd, who hides it behind a sign because nobody's going to see that. There are a bunch of FBI guys there and they're onto him immediately. But there are so many people in these Reagan masks that they can't find the right one. They keep grabbing random people and pulling the mask off like Scooby-Doo. Ah, and it's not him. But the joke's on them because he has ditched the Reagan mask. And I have a question. So if they know that the ransom people are going to be coming to retrieve the money from that dumpster, why weren't they standing there right next to it? Why are they allowing a protest to come through there? I would have shut the street shut down. Shut the street down. Get surveillance on that fucking dumpster, morons. I was like, Nick is going full point break at the yes. same protest. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. But not nearly as cute. As no, no, no. You are no, you are no Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. <laughs> okay. So Andy is tailing this car and she is so close behind them. They cannot see her headlights anymore. That's how close <laughs> she is them. She follows them to a convenience store and the guy goes in and the woman stays outside and she's on her phone. And Andy goes into the back of uh, Vargas's car and grabs his bag and grabs something before getting out. It was unclear. And then she goes and jumps out to these, this, I don't even know what these people, the bad duo. And she goes and puts something behind the tire of their car and then gets back in her car and she just waits. And I was like, suddenly she's a super spy and they suck. Like they didn't notice her at all. Well, the dude comes out of the convenience store and he's grabbed a honey bun. Like they were in the middle of a mission and they had to pull over at 7-Eleven so he could get honey his honey bun emergency. Fix. And I was like, you know, they use that suitcase money. I just know they did. <laughs> oh, I know yeah. they did. <laughs> So then they do this big long bit of the bad guys backing up and this yeah, this giant tack, metal tack, is behind their tire. So Andy planned it just perfectly that they would back up over that so it will puncture when they back up. And I was like, I'm sorry. You can drive on that forever, sweetheart. That just goes right in. It does not make it might and it plugs make the hole it a little itself. tire warning. Yep. You're going to go forever. Ask me how I know. Yep. <laughs> It's happened a oh my lot. God, yes, I'm a tack screw nail magnet. Every year I go through at least two tires a year with freaking screws. Anyways, Ugh. yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. Okay, so adult Laura Jane, uh, Tony Collette, you know, her. You, her. <laughs> you know. You she know gets Tony. a text from Charlie that says, this is Vargas's room number. And so she immediately obviously knows what hotel he's in. And she goes running right up to his room. And the door is open, question mark? She got right in. Mm-hmm. She wa- She just walks in like it's no big thing. I was like, where is the security in this hotel? Where are the maids? Where is somebody? She also goes through his things, finds nothing that would fit her. So, um, But she does find a conveniently placed piece of paper on the floor that says Charlie Harold Circle Bessemer. There's just these names on the back. So she starts dialing Charlie again. And... I was like, man, this guy cannot get a minute's rest with this bitch. No wonder his wife's a bitch. <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, Charlie, you were right. Vargas was here with Andy. He's like, yeah, I figured. He's just going home to Atlanta, but he never showed up. <laughs> and he didn't log in some evidence. <laughs> you know, big air quotes, some evidence. Also, he read your whole WITSEC report, which he wasn't supposed to do. I mean, this guy. What are we going to do with him? 
And Jane says, well, do you think he told Andy anything? And I was like, what What are you afraid of? So Jane finds the newspaper clipping that Andy found a minute ago about the whole Mabelcroft thing. And on the back, Vargas has written Nick Harp, Paula Kundi, whatever her name is, Jasper Queller, and Eli Wexler. And I was like, we know three of those four names, so obviously we're going to go find Eli. Mm -hmm. Charlie tells Jane to, whatever the frick her name is, to get off the street. And she says, not until Andy is safe. So we know that'll be never. (laughs) So uh, Jane managed to, like, she get right into the Google machine. And she Googles Eli and finds Wexler Law and an address. And she's off. And I was like, now I see where Andy gets her stupidity from. We're just chasing people. Yeah. And this is (sighs) place is conveniently located in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. How nice. Yeah. So we're back with Andy and her stupid plan where she is following this car. And sure enough, a little ways down the road, they have pulled over because they've got to change this tire that like popped because of this comically huge tack thing. She pulls into the parking lot adjacent to where they pulled over. She's being obvious as fuck, okay? She crawls up this hill and hides very poorly behind a guardrail. When suddenly a cop pulls up and offers to help. The dude says, no, nah, we're fine. And the cop is getting sus of these people. But the lady acts like they're together together. And everything's fine. They simply must be going, officer. Andy is trying to quickly grab the suitcase out of the open trunk. Because, of course, it's open. I mean, they have to get the spare tire out. But she can't grab it in time because the lady's coming back around. So she gets the brilliant idea to climb into the trunk and hide under this giant blanket thing that also happens to be in there. Just as the lady how is she? How can she get in there faster than getting that suitcase out? I know. And just going right back <laughs> over the hump of the hill where the guardrail is. You idiot. So they drive off with Andy in the trunk. Cut to Nick timing young Jane when she's loading a pistol blindfolded. I'm like, okay. So we're back in the past with Nick and Jane. And we're not loading a pistol anymore. He has taken her to a house where two people named Clara and Eli... Hi, Eli. Mm. These two people live. These two flashbacks intertwine the pistol and the couple as we see Jane going into this house and Jane loading the gun. Then boom, we're back in the car with Laura as she's processing all of this repressed trauma. She sees a white-haired man walking towards a brownstone, so she quickly gets out of the car and approaches him. She says, Eli? And he's like, yeah. She says, it's Jane. He's like, well, great. There goes my peaceful evening. She basically invites herself inside. So they go in. He sighs so damn loud. Like... So she's uh, inside looking at old pictures on a shelf, and one in particular catches her eye. It's a picture of Clara and a young girl, well, who we assume is Clara. She says she's sorry about Clara. He says, oh, yeah, could have fooled me. He didn't call, send a letter, nothing. I was like, Eli is a Jewish grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't call. He didn't send a letter. (laughs) You never write. You never write. You never call anymore. You got your big fancy house in Belle Isle or wherever. He's like, what do you want? She says, I'm looking for Andy. I thought she may have come here. How the fuck? Why? Why would she Why? come Why here? Why would she oh, be there? Suddenly he's very interested, though, and he wants to know if she's okay. Laura asks if he still has the farm. And I was like, oh, farm, shed, I got it. Mm-hmm. He says yes, but he doesn't go very often. Too many memories. Laura says Andy always seemed so happy there. I was like, I don't know. She didn't look happy in that shed, but whatever. 
She says, maybe Andy should have stayed there with Clara. She was always so good at being a mom and I suck at it. And he's like, yeah, basically. So she decides to leave. This is just like the briefest conversation ever. <laughs> I know. She leaves. LOL, LOL, Back outside, her cell phone rings. It's Charlie. Because, of course, it's Charlie. He tells her he's headed to the airport. He has found out that Michael Vargas is in critical condition at San Francisco General. They don't know what happened. Maybe a stroke. The EMTs, who arrived in three seconds because they were right down the street getting hot dogs, said a woman matching Andy's description was there when they arrived on scene. But she's not with him now. She might have his phone, but I don't have the number yet. She just says, thanks. And he says, yeah. <laughs> He's like, are we done now? Is this can't. transaction over? Exactly. <laughs> that was my I have, I, I put, I'm over this. He says dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, what I have. I have like four dots. Like, God. I actually my wife is going to leave me. Yeah. Can we have be done? Oh, you're the worst, Laura. Okay. <laughs> so flashback to young Jane, who's now wearing a blonde wig and walking through a train yard. Not not suspicious at all. And she goes inside a building and she's carrying a brown paper bag and she meets this random dude who takes her to an old caboose that's parked inside this building. Inside is her brother Andrew, Paula, and Nick. And she says she brought as much food as she could, which is one sad paper bag. (laughs) And the dude says he didn't get into this to just sit around, man. And Paula says, well, I didn't get into this to kill anybody. And this is when the dude says the asshole deserved it. So Nick tells him to simmer down, guys. And then he gestures to Jane to come with him. And he says the money is safe. Paula and the dude decide they're going to go check and see if the FBI was on Jane's tail. Because she sucks at everything. She obviously probably brought them right to their door. Mm -hmm. So this is what Jane says to Nick. We should stop. We can explain that, you know, Grace was unstable. We never meant for any of this to happen. I'm rich. They'll let me go. And this is pretty much what Nick says. He's like, sure, you and Andrew will be fine. The rest of us will fry. We're going to let Mabel Craft go tomorrow. And he says, here, it's your turn. And gives her a cup of water to take to the professor, who is chained and gagged and blindfolded in some room. I mean, we were mm-hmm. in a train and now we're in a room. I don't know where they're at. So Dude and Paula are walking through this, you know, this train yard inside. And they see feet under one of the trains. And they decide to jump inside and, because obviously somebody's there's not supposed to be. Well, it's the FBI, and they start firing, and they kill random dude. At the same time, Jane is giving water to Mabel Croft, and Mabel Croft bites her, and then, like, has a, is it a knife? I don't and know. Swings, and swings a knife at her, and Jane screams, hey, help me, oh my god! Mabel Croft swings again as Nick comes running in. The knife goes through his hand, and he looks at it for a second before slicing her throat just like Laura did to the guy at the diner. And I was like, oh, I thought it would be a better story. <laughs> this is not the story <laughs> That's I was what we get. But, okay. So, Jane freaks out and tries to come over and save the professor as Paula runs in and says, they're here, They need. we need to get out of here. And then Paula sees this dead body and totally loses their shit. What the fuck? And then they all run back to exactly where the agents are. Like, they're like, oh, hi. (laughs) And so Andrew was hiding somewhere, but he just comes running out. And they all run into this big old, like, old 70s van and jump inside. And the agents are like stormtroopers and the worst shots ever Mm -hmm. and start shooting. (laughs) And these guys take off, these, like, teenagers take off in this van while the FBI just shoots at them as they're off on their merry way. It's dumb. Yep. 
<laughs> so the random guy's name is Quarter. And in the book, they are all assigned some code name based on a coin. So you know how he's flipping that coin thing? I'm pretty oh. sure James was like Penny or Nickel or something stupid like that. But anyway, I was like, who the hell is this random dude? And then when Paula comes in, she's like, Quarter's been shot. And I was like, oh, Quarter. I totally forgot about him. Because this is the worst adaptation of the book ever. Okay, anyway. Back to this super spacey trunk, Andy's phone vibrates just as the car slows down to a stop. There's another car that pulls up, and the two bad guy people get out. Andy pushes the seat down that connects the trunk to the back seat and crawls into the car, the main part of the car. The two bad guys are outside talking to who I called bad guy number three about how they took care of that marshal, and bad guy number three wants to see it. They say it's in the trunk. As they walk over to open the trunk, bad guy number three shoots these two dudes, I mean two people, it's a dude and a woman, in the back of the head. Andy has gotten out of the car, unbeknownst to any of these bad guys, and she shoves the suitcase under the car and then she slides underneath. Bad guy number three takes the keys off of the woman and opens the trunk. And of course there's no suitcase, so he slams it shut, gets back in his car, and calls who I call bad guy number four, who I think was the guy outside of Jasper's office and the apparently the guy in the backyard too. And I thought the guy that was there at the dock was that the guy is from the, the bad backyard. Guy? See, I, I don't think know. so. Uh, they're all just numbers to me. I don't know who's who. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, number three tells number four that it wasn't there, but they've been dealt with. And he drives away. And Andy scoots after him out of the car with her finder's keeper's money. She's like, yes, Target and Pringles. Woo! Woo! Flashback to the stupid shed in the snow and everybody's calling Andy's name. Suddenly, Andy is on a bus and her phone is buzzing again. She answers it. We don't know who it is until we are now seeing her walk into a diner where Laura's waiting, who jumps up and hugs her and takes the suitcase. She's like, thank you. That's mine. (laughs) And they sit down. Andy wants to know how she got Mike's number. Laura says from Charlie. And Andy interrupts. Yeah, I know who he is. Tell me if I get anything wrong. You have a brother running for vice president and another brother who was in a cult that killed your father. Jerry Randall didn't die in a car crash because he's not real. Everything about him was stuff you and Charlie made up. Laura just says, I'm sorry. And Andy's like, are you? And Laura says, okay, you have every right to be bad. Andy asks, is Nick Harp my father? I know you were together, like together, together. I saw the video. This is the well, only thing. showed me the good parts. <laughs> this is the only thing Laura's appalled at. <laughs> Everything else, she was like, yeah, in this part, she was like, oh my God, you saw the video of us talking sexually to each other? And that's literally it. Anyway, Laura says, yes, he is your father. So I don't know if she's lying. I mean, in the book, he's the father. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I mean, and they're changed much stuff. And they are really up in this creep factor with the dad in this. So I don't know. Andy asks if she was a part of that group, and Laura says, I did anything Nick wanted until Oslo. I knew he hated Marlin. Marlin. Wow. Okay. I knew he hated Martin, but I didn't think he would have him killed. Andy says, and you didn't think I would want to know all of that? And Laura's like, why the fuck would I tell you this, bitch? This is my life. Whatever. Laura just says that she was worried that one night she would wake up and Nick would be there, and... She's like, I mean, I'd bang him if he was still if he was there, but I mean, it's still scary. But also, he's still kind of scary. What was I supposed to say, Andy? That your father is wanted by the FBI and he would kill us if he got the chance. As long as I'm alive, I can testify against him. So Andy's like, what about the money? Like, I spent a whole bunch of it, but I know it's the <laughs> ransom from Alex Mablecroft. 
And Jane says, I thought if Nick found us, we'd need it because we'd have to run. And she's like, well, why does Jasper want it? And I was like, good question. Why does Jasper want it? Mm -hmm. She's like, he tried to kill me to get it. Someone came after me. And Jane's like, I can't believe my brother would do that. My family is very upstanding. Has never done anything creepy or weird. That's odd for us. And she's like, no, the that money was for us. It's all it ever was. And Andy's like, I'm calling the FBI. And Jane's like, okay, well, um, Nick is out there somewhere. You need to disappear. Charlie's flying in. And this is when Andy says, no, we can't trust them. Mike said there was a leak in witness protection and there's a problem there. And Jane's like, well, then you have to leave. You've been through enough. I got things to do. I really don't like you. You're kind of annoying. Bye. And this ugh, stupid Andy, she's like, I'm not letting this go, Mom. Jane says, well, okay, we're going to go to the nearest police station and we're going to call the FBI. I don't know who we can trust anymore or whatever. So this is Andy Esser for chapstick. And then says, I'm just glad my mom is here. And then she never uses the chapstick. It's so dumb. So Jane tells her to pay the bill while she goes to the bathroom. She conveniently grabs the suitcase and heads to the bathroom. So Andy pays as she's playing with a snow globe as she's like getting checked out. And she's flashing back on that shed again. And then she flashes back on that shed. She like turns. She's like, oh, fuck, my mom left me again. <laughs> so and she looks over at the bathroom and notices her mom went the opposite direction of the very obvious sign, sign that said <laughs> restroom. So she goes running in there, and she's like, her mom's not in the stall. So she runs out into the parking lot, and Jane is driving away. And she, like, like tries to go throw herself on the car. And I'm like, <laughs> Jane tells her, get out of the way of the car. And you need to wait for Charlie and just trust her. And Andy just puts her heads on her hands on her head and cries. And I was like, I would have floored it. I would have hit her so hard. I would have sent her ass over apple cart. Bye. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, I hope you're end. proud of the human you created there, uh, Laura Jane. Yeah, it's kind of your fault. Laura, Jane, Queller, Oliver. Queller. I would have changed my name if I was a Queller, too. <laughs> because where I grew up, like, instead of calling somebody, like, I don't know, like, the worst thing you could call somebody was a Weller. Like, that was, like, ugh, those Wellers. And I don't know if it was a name or if it was just, like, gross people like that were really poor people were called wellers so i'm like oh weller queller's too close to weller and you don't ever want to be a weller Weird. i don't know what it means it uh, might be really mean to a family named weller that just didn't have any money i don't know if you're but, listening and your last name is weller we apologize i apologize for tiffany's root ask my mom what's her beef that's what <laughs> she used to say to you that the wellers were potlickers and that was like another big <laughs> mean thing to say was call somebody a potlicker and <laughs> and it was like because they're so poor they had to lick the pot clean yes. I always thought it meant you had to lick the toilet so <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my fucked up childhood awesome well if you want to let us know what your regional insult <laughs> for, for people is I'd have to think about it I, I can't think of anything right now you can let us know in several different places, like where, Tiffany? I mean, Wellers, hit me up. We can hash it out. We can be <laughs> friends. You can message us, me, 
at um, that's so original podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email there. You can visit our website at that's so original podcast.com. You can go to Facebook or Instagram at that's so original podcast. Post your family photos. Be proud of that name. I don't know. <laughs> and, or you can go to Twitter at that's so pod and like, I don't know, call me names because that's what people do on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. You can like us and review us on iTunes. Tell us all about how you hate the fact that I made fun of Wellers. Go and follow us on Spotify and Stitcher and, I don't know, be our friend. I mean, you could make up an account with the last name Weller and, like, just come after us. And I would be pleased because somebody (laughs) would be interacting with us. That would be hilarious, actually. I would die. Do it. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next time about episode seven of Pieces of Her. And we only have two more left. How many more pieces are left of her? I don't like the pieces we got. Too many. It's too many. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Going to eat my cheese fries.